Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. It is 1012. It is a Friday. Great to have you with us. 18th day of August 2023. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. We will usher in the weekend with Mr. Craig, as always, at 10.59. I know it's not always the weekend for you. Just get in the spirit, right? That's all we're asking. We have a busy, busy week coming up next week. We continue to add to the guest list. I will go through that in a little bit, but I want you to join us next week. And if you're not going to be here 10 to 11, make sure you hit the podcast up. We will have a bunch of good stuff on that podcast next week, previewing fall sports all over the area. And, and covering as much as we can cover because the week after that I'm not going to be here and we're going to try to put 10 pounds of bird seed into a 5-pound bag, as the kids might say. Uh, Twins Pirates this weekend mentioned the uh, games here on KDAL and it's, it's a Pirates team that, trust me, NL Central, I know, they got off to a blazing hot start. At first place in the division for a while, I think at one point, I want to say it was like June 13, 14, whatever day it was, the Twins swept the Brewers at Target Field. The Pirates were a game up on the Brewers at that point in the NL Central. And since that day, Pittsburgh is something in the area of 18 and 33 or something. It's not good. And now they're fourth in the NL Central, 10 and a half out. And that's not, it's not that the Brewers have run away with the AL Central like the Twins and the AL Central. This hasn't happened. But we'll see. Uh, Lopez, 8-6, and 3.66. Andre Jackson, no record, 547. Tomorrow at 6. Sonny Gray, 6-5, 304. The All-Star Mitch Keller is at an awful second half for Pittsburgh, 9-8, and 4.27. And then Sunday at 1, Dallas Keuchel, 0-1, 9.45. Osvaldo Beetle for the Pirates, 2-3, 5.05. Brewers swept by the Dodgers this week. They now are in Texas. 7 o'clock tonight, Brandon Woodruff, 2-1, 1.99. Andrew Heaney for the Rangers, 9-6, 4.17. Tomorrow at 3, Freddie Peralta, who's been good as of late, 9-8, 4.08. Dane Dunning for the Rangers, 9-4, 3.1. And then Sunday at 1.30, might as well just forfeit this and get on the plane home. Adrian Hauser, 4-4, four 4.43. Four, 4. Max Scherzer. For the Rangers, 12-4, 3.67. I do not like the Brewers' chances on Sunday. So hopefully they get the first two games, and Sunday won't be quite the big uh, to-do if they don't win. Anyway, we'll set up next week in a little bit. Got some more things to cover uh, from yesterday going into the weekend. We'll get you ready for all that. High school football season underway in the Badger State tonight. Oh, my goodness. Had a chance uh, this week to talk to a couple of local coaches. You heard Bob DeMeyer from Superior yesterday. If you missed it, podcast at KDAL610.com. Northwestern renewing the Highway 2 rivalry in Ashland tonight. Here's the Tigers head coach, Joven Kroll. Before we talk about 2023, let's talk about 2022. Another great season for you guys. I know it fell short of the ultimate goal, but how do you reflect on, on last fall as you look ahead to this fall? Uh, well, obviously, um, you look back and everybody wants to think about how it ends, right? That's the 
and it only ends great for one team and we ended up falling to the state champions uh, in the playoffs uh, we had a lead at half and uh, we learned from it um, depth uh, was what I really learned to appreciate from across Aquinas last year um, obviously a suburban private school you know they're running f- probably 30 to 40 deep out there waves of kids coming in so one thing we took this off season was trying to find ways to establish depth uh, be able to play more kids uh, successfully so that's been a point of emphasis uh, this fall of course that's a little tough when you need to replace uh, so many all conference or uh, even all state level players um, but obviously uh, last year was a success and undefeated regular season um, and a lot of good things happened Tiger football is one of the great traditions in Northwest Wisconsin. It's not the biggest school, but you guys always seem to have strong numbers for your the level that you're playing at. What are your numbers like for for 2023? Oh, they remain consistent. Um, I think the difference is um, you know, we're a school probably just under 400 kids. We've got uh, 65 players out for football, which is pretty much where it's been the last uh, five to ten years, I'd say. Um, but a difference for us this year is youth. You know, of the 65 players, 45 of them are freshmen or sophomores. So uh, there's a lot of learning going on uh, out there right now. How important was the scrimmage you had last week, and 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 even this, you know the, these first couple of games of the season? A season's a journey. You're you're not a finished product in August, but especially with a group this young, you're trying to get guys experience. You're also, I'm guessing, as coaches, trying to figure out the best places to play certain guys. Oh, it's uh, it is a constant. Uh, discussion amongst the coaches. I wish we could scrimmage two weeks in a row to tell you the truth. Um, one thing I like to do, our non-conference games do not count towards playoff qualification in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's uh, not like Minnesota. You have to qualify um, for the playoffs. About half the teams get in every year, uh, 500 or better record. Uh, but those first two games we like to play tougher teams. We we play up against Ashland. Um, same thing with Somerset, uh, slightly bigger schools. So it, I wish we could pick those up and put them at the end of the schedule. Um, but our scrimmage, we went down Chippewa Falls and Toma. Again, a big river school in Chippewa Falls. Um, you learn a lot. Scrimmages are almost more about figuring out who can't play at certain positions versus who can. It's, it's a it's a kind of a two-sided thing. Talking about Western football coach Joven Kroll, you got some outstanding players at the skill positions last year. They've basically all graduated. And we talk about this all the time, and it doesn't seem to matter what sport it is. You have a player like Tanner Kaufman, over 1,000 yards, almost 20 touchdowns last year. You're not going to ask one guy to step in and do what he did for you, right? No, I think in, in small school football, what you need to do each year is uh, evaluate your talent. And I know at Northwestern, it doesn't seem like we ever change our scheme, but we do. You know, you look at maybe using fullbacks more uh, when a kid like that leaves, uh, you see who you have. And yeah, it, it definitely isn't a replace with, with one kid. And, you know, we lose our top four running backs. Our, our top four receivers, our quarterback, it's a, it's a blank slate. And you have to try to start piecing together what you think is going to work. And it's not going to be the same every year. 
You had Luke Sedina quarterback, and you know yep. he he was a guy that all the honors last year locally, an outstanding season. I think he's your all time leader in passing yards and touchdowns at Northwestern. Which I again, Northwestern is not a program known for throwing the ball, but you've thrown the ball with him quite a bit the last couple of years. How different is your offense going to look, and not just in, in not having him running it, but but in who's going to run it? Can they do the same things he did? Uh, right. It's um, you know ha- turning around and handing the ball off is a lot simpler process in the backfield th- than all the reads a quarterback has to make in the passing game. And before Luke, we had Jake Brill, uh, another kid who could run and throw. He was just center fielder right now for Central Michigan's baseball program. So we've had a, a run here for the last five years of quarterbacks who could really throw the football, which has uh, you know really loosened up the defense compared to the eight, nine men in a box Northwestern was used to seeing. This year, I'm expecting early, teams are going to dare us to throw the football. And, and it's a matter of let's establish a couple of simple passing plays to start with and build off it. Um, quick game stuff uh, as well to get the ball in the skilled guy's hands quickly uh, be able to make some plays. Obviously, we're talking to Northwestern football coach Joven Kroll as opening night approaches Friday in Ashland against the Ordockers, the annual Highway 2 battle. So we talk about throwing the football, and you talk about Northwestern having to play, as you get onto a season, a lot of eight- and nine-man fronts because they expect you to run the football so much. But but how much of, of what you do offensively is predicated on the run, especially when you consider once the weather goes south and it will go south, you got to have that. Right. You, you think about playoff games, usually the wind's from the northeast. It's off the lake, and you might have as great of a throwing game as you want, but good luck. You're going to have to put the ball uh, in your running back's hands. So, yeah, it's it's almost to where – that isn't almost. It's where you develop your passing game based off your run, the play-action game is so key in, in, in choosing those, I guess, specific moments when you see the defense uh, really biting down on, on, on certain keys uh, to take advantage of the passing game when you can. But, you know, it's tough because uh, we see, I feel like we see three seasons here. Uh, we have summer football, fall football, and winter football that seem to be the, the third season we play in here. And, uh, you can do a lot of different things in August, uh, but in November, it's a, it's a totally different game. So, um, yeah, it's a, it almost seems like some elements of the passing game just get put away when when Lake Superior starts talking to you and the weather turns. Well, you and I have talked before about, you know, and, and this is not necessarily unique to your program, but I've always thought it was really cool that, that when you get kids into your varsity program, they know your offense. They know the way you do things because they, they run a lot of these same things at the youth levels. How important is that continuity, especially going into a year like this where you've got so many inexperienced players at key positions? Uh, it. It's how we stay consistent. The youth program that's strong and does the same thing the high school does is the key to consistency. If if you're bringing in kids and teaching them from scratch as freshmen, it's it's going to take time. But these kids start doing the basic fundamentals that we teach at the high school level in third grade. So it is just a huge advantage. And kids learn to love it. They know what they're doing. Um, and I think ultimately the youth program is one of the major keys to why Northwestern football has so much success. 
And one of the reasons you guys are seemingly successful every year, too, is that you always have good line play. The offensive line is one of those spots where you've got some experience this year. How much do you lean on those guys with the inexperience all over the field on the offensive side of the ball to, to help you with that continuity? The key to our whole program is the offensive line. Um, that is where we have two or three guys who played quite a bit last year. Um, and where we don't have experience this year, I think what we really do have is strength. Uh, we're not going to walk out a bunch of guys who are 6'3", 6'6", <laughs> like we did last year uh, across the field. Those guys are all in college now. They went to camp last week. They seem to be doing quite well. Um, but we have a bunch of kids who are weight room guys who buy into the system. They communicate well. Uh, and they're strong. You know, strong, fast linemen are key. You think at the high school level, boy, I, I want to have a bunch of 300-pound linemen, but you need guys who are fast. Um, you know, kids who are kind of traffic cones out there who don't move much, they don't block very well. So um, maybe one of the keys we have in, in teaching our linemen throughout the, the years is just how to be fast uh, and explosive and come off uh, low uh, on the snap of the football. What does it mean to have Andy Lynn still working with you on the coaching staff? Just a legend out there. Uh, it's uh, it's it's huge. Um, the stories, the kids love the stories. Uh, half of O line practice, I, I feel like is is story time. Talking about you know <laughs> what happened on this play and this year against this opponent, and you know what Andy sees. Um, and what Pete sees too, Pete Lawton, uh, All-American up at UMD, has been with the program now for 20 years uh, as well. These guys, they know every play inside and out. They know what the defense is going to do based on the look we give them. Um, and the kids can trust these guys because they've been there, they've seen it, they've had so much success uh, as players, as coaches, and it just makes all the difference in the world. And a guy like that, you know, he is. There's nothing he hasn't seen. There's there's nothing right. he hasn't right. been a part of, had a chance to do. So nothing. I would think nothing really comes as a surprise anymore to him. No, you think think in game adjustments there. Um, you know, he'd say, "Well, we saw this against Osceola in 1995." <laughs> so like, okay, and this is what we ran to beat it, and we can do it um, because you know, he, there's a. There's a look we can give against any defensive front that, that has had success in the past as long as the kids are able to understand it and do it right, and, and these kids are able to do that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens on Friday. Of course, I, I've never really, I don't think, gone into a, a season opener uh, as, I guess, open-minded as far as what's going to work. We, maybe we do this, maybe we do that. We always seem to know maybe a little better than we do this year about uh, what we're going to do going in, but I, I know in the bag of tricks there's something uh, because these kids are fast, they are strong, and what they they lack in maybe experience they maybe make up for an enthusiasm I guess I gotta think it's one thing when you go into a year like last year and you've got the talent that you knew you had in place and right. you knew you could have a really good season is this a it's not like it's not exciting it's not I mean, they're, they're all stressful they're all exciting is this just a different kind of exciting because there's so much unknown I think that's exactly right it's um, I don't want to say we knew what we were going to get last year, but we we kind of did. We had the expectations. There was us. There was St. Croix Falls. One of those two teams would win the conference. 
Um, and then we'll see who we get matched up with uh, come state playoff time. Um, yeah, this year I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, in the backfield, who's it going to be? You know, we've got great speed back there, but you don't know really who's going to be that kid who ends up getting all that recognition at the end of the year. You obviously hope it's somebody, um, expect it to be somebody. Maybe you take that for granted. Um, but, yeah, it's who's who's going to be the guy. And having that as a mystery uh, a little bit here, day one is, uh, I guess you'd say it's exciting, but obviously uh, the stress level is uh, maybe a little higher uh, this year than, than others. This rivalry with Ashland goes back, I don't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head how far this goes back. With the, the, the That year or two you guys didn't play the opening game, it was weird. It was it, it's, it's super to have this thing back, Northwestern at Ashland Friday night. What's this rivalry mean to you guys with the Tigers? Well, you know, growing up, you, every every year that week one Ashton game um, just seemed to be all that mattered. <laughs> you know, it'd be the biggest crowd. It would be the toughest game. Um, I was a kid in the 90s when both these programs were going to state championships on state semis or, or finals on kind of a regular basis. Uh, I think in... 1993, we ended up in the state finals in Madison, and we lost to Ash in week one. So um, for us as Northwestern, we always look at it as a challenge because Ashland's you know, a bigger school. They typically have physically larger kids, and we uh, we always take it as a challenge. Now, obviously, in the last 10 to 15 years or so, whatever it's been, I haven't really kept track. We've won every game against Ashland. So I think there's a little added pressure on our side right now of, you know, don't be the team that that lets this winning streak slip. And we obviously respect what Travis does over there. He's had some very successful seasons. There was a year, two, three years back, uh, maybe it's a little farther back now, 18 or 19, where the only loss either program had during the regular season uh, was week one against each other. So um, there's maybe a little added pressure there. I think our, we've got our new superintendent. Uh, I think he's got a big Highway 2 sign. He's going to start a little trophy uh, element to this. And uh, But the Ashton game means a lot. I wish I followed up on that. And uh, I, I didn't know there wasn't a trophy already, so... <laughs> the things you learn, right? Tigers and Ordockers, 7 o'clock tonight out at Ashland as they renew that long-standing rivalry. Also tonight, Wausau West at Superior. Uh, we heard from the longtime coach of the Spartans, Bob DeMeyer. We played that back for you yesterday, and you can find that now on the podcast page if you just go to kdal610.com. It is all there. And, yeah, we're, we're getting started. High school football in Wisconsin also tonight. Cumberland at Hayward. And Crandon at Hurley. All non-conference action to get us kicked off in week one. They play nine in Wisconsin. They play eight in Minnesota. And the Gopher State High School football week zeros next week. And then week one will be Thursday, August 31st and Friday, September 1st. All around Minnesota. 10.30. More to come. Bruce Siski Show Friday morning edition. Don't forget, we'll say hello to the weekend at 1059. 610-103.9 KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We continue our 14-team Big Ten preview sponsored by Lando Lakes. We'll look at Ohio State next. 
There is a land where anything is possible, where soul, soil, and science work wonders every day. A land that values bravery and curiosity, where the truth is the official language. And here, we put our all into feeding human progress, to making a positive impact. This is a land of honesty, of optimism, of possibilities. This is Land O' Lakes, proud sponsor of Gopher Athletics. Tanner Hoops previews the 2023 Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State Buckeyes are coming off an 11-win season in 2022, which included a trip to the college football playoff. Nevertheless, head coach Ryan Day is using the way 2022 ended as motivation for 2023. You know, there was just, you know, a lot of focus, a lot of, you know, conversation about making sure that, you know, we finished the season the right way and we came up, you know, a couple of plays short. And that was, you know, as you as you replay, you know, a few plays here, a few plays there, really in both of those games, uh, it's it's motivating. Everything we did in the offseason was about competing. You know, when you're in matchup games, it comes down to a handful of plays. One of the biggest question marks surrounding the Buckeyes is the offensive line and replacing several key members. We have some good pieces there, uh, but they just haven't played. And so that's where this offseason has been important but now in August it's going to be critical for them to to build the chemistry and to make sure that they solidify themselves as starters. The Buckeyes open the 2023 season September 2nd at Indiana. And Ohio State will host the Golden Gophers on November 18th. On Monday we'll preview Rutgers on the Golden Gopher Daily Update sponsored by Lando Lakes, longtime supporter of Golden Gopher football. I'm Mike Graham. Sound off with Brad Bennett. Middays on KDAL. More to come on this Friday morning. We'll set you up for the weekend. Lost to uh, doing CL over. We'll tell you what all that is. Some baseball, football, and more. All that to come. And we'll set you up for a very busy week on the radio show next week. That after CBS News 1037 Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. That guy's driving me crazy. You know what's driving me crazy? You not getting the ball in the hole. This guy sucks. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.42. Good to have you with us on a Friday morning. Coming up next week. All right, so here's, I mentioned it's a busy week. So... Here is what we have as of right now, and there are some more items uh, maybe added to this list. Monday, longtime radio voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, will join us as we break down the 2023 team, of what he saw during joint practices of the Bengals and Patriots the last couple of weeks. Jordan Love taking over. Wayne had the best line, I thought, of, of the draft coverage we ran over on AM710, the game, back on uh, the, the night of the first round. And they talked about, you know, they ran it. They kind of ran it back after that NFC Championship game lost to Tampa in 2020, and then they got to the, you know, 13 and four back in the playoffs. Rodgers wins another MVP. They run it back again, and then they go eight and nine. Can't run back eight and nine. And he made that very clear. We'll talk to Wayne about uh, the decisions that were made by the front office and and the team that it leaves for 2023 on the radio show on Monday. Also next week, Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers Tuesday, will preview the 2023 Golden Gopher football season. 
Barry Chasty, longtime men's soccer coach at St. Scholastica, will be with us on Tuesday as well. Next Wednesday, NCHC Commissioner Heather Weems. Certainly a lot happening in the offseason in that conference. We are inside now four weeks away from NCHC Media Day. We'll be down there on September 13th in St. Paul. We don't have a show that day, but what I can tell you is we will be taping a bunch of of interviews. We'll hear from all the NCHC coaches, not named Scott Sandlin. We'll get that done separately once we get closer to the start of the season. That's already been scheduled. Uh, we'll also hear from a bunch of NCHC student athletes and the league's new director of officiating, the great Mike Schmidt, will be joining us in recorded fashion. We'll uh, be playing all those back throughout the rest of September leading up to the start of college hockey season. But to Heather Weems live with us next week on Wednesday. Also next week, UWS men's soccer coach Joe Mooney, Yellow Jacket volleyball coach Lynn Diedrich, St. Scholastica women's soccer coach Dave Riles, and UMV volleyball coach Jim Boos. We're also going to get UMV soccer coach Greg Kane on the radio show next week for season preview. So we are very, very busy. Again, you miss a show, it's all good. Podcast every single one of them at kdal610.com. I mentioned the preseason football a bunch this week. Uh, Vikings and Titans, 7 o'clock tomorrow. Kirk Cousins let the cat out of the bag to an extent at least yesterday, saying that the expectation is that they're not going to play a lot of the starters, of the starters, if any of them at all, in tomorrow's game. We talked about that. This is something that Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach, seems to favor. The idea that I'm going to get these first-team guys, their reps, their work, at a little bit higher pace, higher intensity with these joint practices that I'm going to, and then I'm not going to play them in the preseason. And that gives me a chance to use these guys and get them ready for the season in a, it's still, again, faster pace maybe than a normal practice, but a more controlled environment than a game. And that lessens the injury risk. Kirk Cousins didn't get hit yesterday or the day before. You play tomorrow night, he might get hit. And now you're thinking, whoa, you get hit. It's part of football. Well, go watch quarterback, and you tell me if you're comfortable letting Kirk Cousins get hit in meaningless games when you look at the beating he took in the meaningful games last year. If I'm the Vikings, I'm focusing on keeping number eight upright when the games count. I don't care about this weekend or next weekend. I know i got to sell tickets, but that's not my job. My job is to be ready for week one, September 10th, versus Tampa Bay. Uh, Packers... Patriots tomorrow night. We don't know yet on those starters for Green Bay. 7 o'clock, AM 710. We'll have coverage starting at 5 tomorrow from Lambeau Field. And there's an argument. We've talked about it. Do you play Jordan Love in the preseason? And they played him last week, played a couple series, looked all right. They just had joint practices with the Patriots for a couple of days. And yeah, same thing. It's a controlled environment. You can't hit the quarterback. So, if you're the Packers, if you're Matt LaFleur, do you put Jordan Love out there? I don't care which members of the offensive line you're playing. could be the entire first-team offensive line. Do you put Jordan Love out there in a meaningless game against a very physical Patriots team and let him potentially get the snot knocked out of him before week one? Or do you wait till next week when they're playing Seattle and... I'm not saying Seattle's not a physical defensive team because they are, but again, they, maybe not as uh, 
not as hell-bent on getting to Jordan Love as the Patriots are after seeing him for a couple of days. I don't know. LaFleur said last week the plan was for Love to play in one more preseason game. Well, we're running out of options because there's only two left. It's this week or next week. You got a 50-50 shot. And as I've said before, selfishly, I would love for Jordan Love to play next week because I'm going to be there. Get to watch him play a couple series in person, even a meaningless game, be kind of fun. But I certainly understand from a matchup standpoint and, and, and maybe getting him the most quality reps possible why it's tempting to have him play this week. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. It's a it's an intriguing storyline, but I don't think he plays both games. So if he plays this week, he sits next week. If he sits this week, I think he plays next week. Jordan Love, that is. Uh, David Bakhtiari practiced yesterday. Good news for Green Bay. Zach Cruz of uh, Packers Wire USA Today made a great point. It is pretty incredible. You think about it. It's pretty incredible what David Bakhtiari is able to do here. It really is. Think about you know how little he's practicing. He didn't. He wasn't on the field for a week. Basically, walks out there yesterday one on one with Matthew Judon, and he wins a lot more often than he loses. That 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 guy is he's just incredible, and, and you know, he's an example of. I don't need him in training camp. I don't need him in preseason games. I'm not even sure how much I need him in practice once the season gets going. Because I know on Sunday, David Bakhtiari is good to go. And can we stop with the the Jets are going to trade for him stuff? Yes, if this season is going south in a hurry and the Jets need that offensive line help, I could see something happening during the season. I would be completely floored if Brian Gutekunst got tempted to trade David Bakhtiari before the season started. It doesn't make any sense. If you look at this, at the way the salary cap is constructed right now with Green Bay and and, and Bakhtiari's contract and, and all that, throw that in with just the you know, making some practical sense. Because you can act like this is not an all-in team, and it's not an all-in team. But I guarantee you this, if this team gets off to a strong start, and I don't know that it will or it won't. But if this Packers team gets off to a strong start, they're not trading David Bakhtiari at any point. Because if you get if you start well, if you put yourself in a position, you have to at least sort of try to win this thing. Your window of opportunity is never, ever as wide open as it appears to be. 1050. Wrap this thing up. Rush of the weekend of the moment. Bruce Siski show on KDAL. 1059. Hazy sunshine outside. Looks like it's going to be a nice weekend. We can certainly hope it stays this way. Yellow hot tomorrow. Make sure you hydrate if you're outside. We'll see you up at Hoghead and Proctor this weekend. Big parade tomorrow. Fireworks, all that bit. It's the same thing every year, but happy 48th anniversary to the Hoghead people up the, the Lions in the city of Proctor putting on a great show. We're back Monday. Wayne Larravee and more. Brad Bennett's next. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well.
No, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFF, and 610 KDAL Duluth Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.